Hi, my name is Lucian Khan. Um, I am the designer of a game called Visigoths vs. Malgoths, um, which is going to be kickstarting sometime around October-ish of 2019. Um, and this is a game about um, two groups of outsiders who don't get along. We have a community of Visigoths, um, who are the warriors who sacked ancient Rome, um, who have been Ouija board teleported into a uh, Los Angeles suburb shopping mall in 1996. Yeah, yeah. So they're going through a Visigoth phase. Um, they're going through a Visigoth phase, exactly. <laughs> um, they've got they've got their mail and their armor and their their colorful tunics, um, and they are um, encountering the the uh, local community of Malgoths yeah. um, who uh, have their own agendas, um, and they're sort of like an antagonistic relationship between these two um, groups yeah, in the mall. They both have a different idea about what grunge is. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's like a, it's a very a very different uh, sort of aesthetic, uh-huh. um, and it's a. But it, I think they would both appreciate craft beer. Yeah, yeah, could be. Well, they're a little young. They're actually, um, everyone is 16. Oh, they're all 16. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. so they might still appreciate craft beer. They might they still, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it would be a, a little bit on the DL. Um, so, yeah, um, it is both a, it is combat and romance. So it's, 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 yeah, it's mall rats meets barbarians. Kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So there's like uh, dating intrigue, there's like... Every good game should have a dating sim angle. Exactly. Yeah. There's definitely a dating sim angle. Um, there's a, like a, a chain mail purity test going around. Uh-huh. Both kinds of chain mail. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, yeah, um, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, it can be played as a one-shot in four hours. It could be played as a series of adventures. There's going to be little adventure modules. Um, so it's a lot of fun. And um, I hope that you get to play it. Yeah, and I hope we should... this. This is going to be part one of a follow-up interview. This is going to transition and crossfade into us being a little less rushed. Uh, yes, because <laughs> I just met you in the hallway. It was like, yeah, we're in the hallway. I'm to about to go, go play more role-playing go, games. Well, well, you enjoy the rest of your role-playing games. We're going to meet up. We're going to we're going to finish. I want to hear more about this game. I want to know more about why you have made this game. Because, I will tell you that, all these things. Because anyone who makes tabletop games is uh, um, why. <laughs> yeah, why, why, why have I brought this abomination upon the world? Okay, we, we will you. meet again. We will. I really meet again. hope you actually meet again, and that this isn't some weird like. I hope we meet end. again. <laughs> I hope this isn't terrible foreshadowing. No. Oh no. Oh, oh no. no. Oh. Today on the Terrible Warriors, we did meet up again with Lucian Khan at the Breakout Convention back in March, and I am excited to introduce you to this game designer. You might have known about this other game he did called Dead Friend, a game of necromancy, and if not, the link is in the show notes. He's got a new game coming out soon. It's Visigoths versus Malgoths, and the Kickstarter's planning to come out sometime in the fall, but when I met him in the hallway, I just had to ask him, why? Why, Lucian Khan? Why? So I promised that we would meet up with you again. Hello, Lucian. Hello. This, once again, is Lucian. Hello. Lu- Hello. Hello. This is part two. Hello. This is part two. I am Lucian Khan. I am the designer of Visigoths versus Malgoths. Okay. So correct me if I'm wrong. This this incredible invention of yours, uh, do you play as the Visigoths or do you play as the Malgoths or do you play as either? You can play as either. So this is a four to six player game plus a GM who is called the Mall Rat. And the Visigoths have traveled through time to yes. 1996, suburban yes. LA, yes. to a mall. Yes. And they're just staying there? So here's what's happening. They have adapted quickly. The Visigoths historically were a conquering culture. They um, sacked Rome in 410, and um, they are trying to basically plan to do the same thing to Los Angeles. Sure. Easy pickings. Easy pickings. It's the mid-90s. Exactly. So we've got a community of Visigoths. 
Um, some of them have set up businesses in this very mall. We have a community of mall goths. They've been hanging out here forever. Oh, so they've like adapted quickly. Oh, they, they've, they've adapted. They've, so we're, we're got, imagining they, this. They got, they got the driver's license. Everything yeah, to go. this game starts like maybe a year after they got summoned here. Um, <laughs> okay. So they've like established some businesses. This is like alienation when it's after the aliens have landed in L.A. Yes. And now they're working with the police. Yes, they're like working in the mall. Yeah. So player characters... Um, can be Visigoths or Malgoths. You but you're playing teenage Visigoths. You are playing 16-year-old Visigoths or 16-year-old Malgoths, which is an interesting question because as a 16-year-old Visigoth, you may be a teenager culturally or you may be a young adult, depending on whether you are more assimilated into yeah. Los Angeles culture yeah. or how, more... How much to Visigoth culture have your parents remained in? It, and really, you're like, it really depends. You don't know me, Dad! Exactly, exactly. So as a, so as a player character... You can play one of three Visigoth archetypes or one of three Malgoth archetypes. And does it play? Is this uh, like a like the way Powered by Apocalypse style playbooks? It or? is not. No, um, no, it no. is a totally built from the ground, unique system. Okay, so you are insane. It's, yes, yes. <laughs> I have. I have. I have built an entire system of mechanics for this game, but it's not a very. It's not very crunchy mechanically. Um, there are really like four main mechanics. But let me get back <laughs> just so right, right, just right, so you right, can right. hear about the types of so the archetypes. Three three types of Visigoths. You could be a conqueror. You could be a charlatan, or you could be a rune caster. As a Malgoth, charlatan. As a Malgoth, you can be a theater tech. Oh dear! You could be a witch, or you could be a cyber pet. A cyber pet. A cyber pet. So you are you are a person. This is like we're thinking like proto furries. So we don't yeah. like really have furry communities so much in the mall, um, but we're talking like people who maybe had a tamagotchi, um, who like had their little computerized um, gamified like pet on their keychain. And decided to like maybe wear some cat ears around the mall, maybe wrap some um, like cables around their arm. Like, well, the cyber pet has powers like bite and hack electronics and play dead. I love them. Yeah, cyber pet's cool. So, um, so these are your archetypes. And um, we have some totally brewed from the bottom, like made up mechanics. We have an embarrassing traits system. So every player character has at least one embarrassing trait. Um, and embarrassing traits can be things, well, they're different for Visigoths or for Malgoths. So if you're a Visigoth, maybe your embarrassing trait is you're allergic to metal. Can't wear chainmail, can't wear a helmet. Or it gives you a rash that you're constantly scratching. Maybe if you're a Visigoth, you really wish you were Roman. So you're you're just having like a culture crisis. Oh yeah, that's Yeah, that's pretty embarrassing. That's scandalous. It is. As a Malgoth, you also have a list of possible embarrassing traits. Um, you could be a terrible poet, right? So you're constantly like reciting terrible, uh-huh. overblown, flowery poetry. Um, perhaps you um, have overprotective parents who are constantly paging you over the mall speaker. Um, perhaps you were your, your dad's the mall cop, right? And right, exactly. So it's there are all these embarrassing traits, and they work. Jason, have you done your homework yet? Right, exactly, exactly. Also, um, you can use these embarrassing traits. Um, you you actually um, use you embarrass yourself in order to make your friends look cool in comparison, and that gives them a bonus to their roles. Um, so you're like, let's say your friends trying to steal something from the store, and you want to like help them you might distract the clerk by doing something embarrassing, and that would uh, improve your friend's role. Um, so it's, it's very altruistic. You're, like, trying to embarrass yourself to make your friends uh, look cool in comparison. Also, um, instead of physical damage, I was like, that's boring. Every game has physical damage for 
fights. I don't want to do that. Instead, we're not going to track physical damage. We're just going to track emotional damage. So when you fight... Teenagers. When you fight, you you get really unhappy. Like, you get bummed or upset or stressed or whatever. And um, you're actually tracking your emotional damage. So when you, you get a certain number of bad emotions from these fights, you're just emotionally overwhelmed and you can't fight anymore. And you can only heal it by talking to a friend about it. So it's very emo, very goth. Um, you don't understand me. You don't understand me. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why did Bruna Hill brandish that spear at me? Yeah. Okay. So I, I hate this mall. Why? Why are you making this game? Um, I grew up in Los Angeles in the '90s, um, and um, I wouldn't say that I was goth. I was kind of goth adjacent. Um, you know, I read Sandman comics and played Vampire the Masquerade. Yeah. And, I- I mean, I, I didn't grow up in L.A., but yeah. I, I, I had, like, there was my, the skater goth friends. Yeah. And I wasn't really part of that group. I just got to hang out with them at lunchtime. Right. Uh, and I was improv team, yeah. stage crew, yep. you know, D&D after school, yeah. and, and then playing Counter-Strike in the evening. Exactly. And and we all had, like, ICQ yeah. and, 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 and stuff at an IRC channel to hang out in. But 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 then the goths were just the coolest. Right. I wasn't I wasn't quite that cool. Like I was I was kind of a grunge rock kid. Like I had my like enormous Babes in Toyland t-shirt and my giant corduroys and my airwalks and my flannels and my purple hair in my face and all of that. Yeah, no, you're ahead of your time. Yeah, yeah. Um so I was like a nineties a nineties grunge rock kid um in LA and um I just like thought of I don't know. A lot of my projects start from like ridiculous titles. Um, I've been following your Twitter account. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I just one day I was like Visigoths, Malgoths, Visigoths, Malgoths, and I just like couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, and soon I had like core game mechanics, and then it just spiraled out. And I now I have this this game when it when it's published um, will come with a entire mall setting. There are like a bunch of stores, like a ton of stores in this game with clerks in the stores and the clerks have like whole personalities so and this isn't some procedurally generated No. No. <laughs> no. Like these clerks have a list of best friends in the mall. They have a list of exes in the mall. So you if you have the book for Visigoths versus Mallgoths, you will have you will know. I can't wait till the movie adaptation. Yes. You will know everybody that every clerk in this mall has ever dated. It is in the description. Why have you done this? I don't know. so much work. I don't know. It does sound like when you went onto Twitter and you announced this game that it was just like three in the morning. You're just like, y'all, oh my God. Like, uh, yes. Like, as a designer, I would describe my process as like, I, I just go into these like weird creative spirals where I'm just like, I have an idea. And now I'm like, on the train, like putting notes into my yeah. phone, and now I'm like, and now you're in. Now you got some cost fallacy, and yeah, yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to. And now I have to make this game. But like, I play test. I, I play test a lot. I play test iteratively, and I play test obsessively. So I was play testing it really fast, and just like running it for people, and running it all over the place, and going to cons, and running it all over New York and Brooklyn and whatever. And people find the game really fun, so I kept making it, so now it exists. So I uh, I met you for three minutes last night, because yes. someone in the hallway went, him, you gotta talk to him right now. Yeah. And, and you told me about Visigoths, and I've gone home, and I've told like four other people since, and they're all losing their minds. It's one of the easiest elevator pitches. I love that. I've ever heard. Yeah. And even for me, who's just like, I only got a three-minute pitch, and I just go... 
Visigoths have transported to 1996 suburban LA and are yeah. now coexisting with a bunch of mall goths yeah. in a mall. Yeah. And people are like, I'm in. And I say, and it's a romance adventure. Yeah. <laughs> and exactly. Like, and it is. It is, it is very dating heavy. And, and I would describe it's like the messy emotions of being a 16 year old yeah, 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 yeah. in the mid 90s. It's, and it's like the, the dating is like not too serious, right? Like this isn't. No, yeah. I was dating you for three months. That was yeah, a serious commitment. Yeah, three yeah. weeks. And it's like, it's not even that much of a, like a sexy game. It's more of a like making out. Yeah. Holding or like hands. Holding hands or like. Wearing a jacket. Wearing, wearing somebody's, um, you know, necklace of bones, whatever. Yeah, like, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. He gave me that ring. Yeah. 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 It meant something. It did. Uh, speaking of rings, um, there is a store in the mall called Bears, B-A-I-R-E, Bears. Um, it's it's uh, not, not beers. No, yeah. Bears. It sells um, like cheap uh, jewelry for like gay men and gay boys. Um, you can buy there a um, a uh, harness made out of recycled soda can tabs. Um, I don't know if you remember in the 90s, there was like a lot of people collecting soda can tabs. I don't know. I mean, I didn't until just now. I just remember the 90s with, like, kind of, like, maniacal like, like specificity. Like a fever dream. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, okay, we got to have a, we got to have, like, a store uh, for, like, gay men that sells soda can tab. And some harness. of these stores, have you written in, like, the before and after the Visigoths came in and, like, converted them? Have no, they, you would have to, you would have to fill that yeah, backstory fill in so yourself. Like, so the, 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 the Visigoths haven't moved into the hot topic and turned it into... No, it's not like that. But there are some specifically Visigoth-owned stores. Um, like, uh, of course, instead of an Orange Julius, there is a Lemon Theodosius. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. There is um, Athelwolf's Secret. The, They're making uh, their own carpets. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Athelwolf's Secret is the, um, the Visigoth-owned lingerie store. They have a lot of bone and sinew materials. Um, and they hunt them themselves. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. The California Wineland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a store called Play Gall. It's a sporting goods store. Um, it sells an item called Umpire so, the Masquerade. So, so, oh my god! So you started on this pun train. <laughs> oh yeah, I just like fell off, fell off my bed into a a sea of puns. Um, so this this is an attack on the world. This this, 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 this is game. this is an affront to everyone. <laughs> so so. It's, it's the, this game the, should not be played. <laughs> and I can't wait to play it. You're yeah. saying that you're planning to kickstart it in the fall? Yeah, I'm looking at probably September or October, more likely October, um, mostly uh, due to like just what the process yeah. is with my graphic artists and everything. I want to follow up on who you are. <laughs> yeah. about this crazy who game. the hell are what you? What kind of person makes this game? What have you done? Because uh, yeah. I've only just met you this weekend, and I yeah. think you're my favorite person, my best friend. And uh, I, I want to know how you got started with Tabletop and, yeah. and why you're I mean, here, I, I here, can tell you right now. running through it. And, and, and you know, like, who, who makes this kind of game? I mean, I, I just ate a cupcake, and I'm wired. So oh, I, I can excellent. tell you right, right, right now. Um, so You're ha- the one who told me you had 10 minutes. So I, I, I started talking, and now I'm stuck here. Um, I'm sorry, all of your friends. Yeah, whatever. I'll get new friends. It'll be like the Book of Job. He had terrible friends, by the way. You know, they all just showed up and negged him for it's true. 14 chapters. It's or something. true. He had a really sad life. Anyway, um, well, I, I don't need to worry about the, the travails of Job. <laughs> before, before we hear about uh, the Visigoths, Malgoths, is there plans for expansions with other Goths? So I have been asked that. Um, a friend. It of, was in your FAQ. Yeah, a friend of mine desperately wants to write the Ostrogoth expansion. I don't know if it'll happen. We'll see. Um, 
I'm down for this. I mean, we'll just see. We'll see how we'll see how the first game does. I have no idea what the market is for this weird ass game, but people seem to like it. Um, I, I, I see I see video game adaptations. I see I, I see a full it. movie series coming out on Amazon yes. Prime. I see everybody. Yeah. The, the I more, can't wait for the Visigoth Malgoth LARP mega game yes. being held this time next year the, at Breakout. The more you all pay me for this terrible idea, the more I can I can expound upon it. <laughs> the LARP will be held in the path in yes. un- underground Toronto when all the malls are shut down. Yes. We'll actually play oh, it God, in the that's mall. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so who the hell am I? Okay, uh, who the hell are you? Okay, let me uh, let me answer your first question, which is how did I start with tabletop gaming? So we don't really need to know who you are. No, so I'm going to tell you my whole history with gaming in a in a really short amount of time. So my first understanding of the concept of a role playing game was when I was nine years old. I got Final Fantasy for the NES, the first one, and I became like obsessed with it. I had the Nintendo Power Strategy Guide. I had all the maps. I had everything planned out. I um, have a journal entries from when I was like 9, 10 in like colorful Pentel markers that are like a big chart of when I reached all of the milestones in that game. So it's like beat the ice cave so-and-so day in 1992, right? I have all that. Okay, you need to keep, the, you still have that chart? Oh yeah, I have it. Okay, good. That's going to be like, in an art gallery one day. You know that. I have it physically on paper. If I ever become even vaguely important, <laughs> that will be worth millions. Um, but yeah, so I have that and... Um, I played a lot. Of, I played that game a lot, and I was the kind of player with Nintendo games where I didn't just play the game as intended. I had like whole background narratives in my mind of what was going on with these people. So as I'm like driving my little like trireme or whatever the hell that crappy boat is around in Final Fantasy to like Elf Town or whatever, I was like, "Wow, I wonder what the fighter's thinking about. I wonder if his like his ex lover is is back at home worrying about him. I wonder what the thief is thinking about." And I would like you have, make these internal narratives. I make these internal care. narratives, yeah. and not only did I do it with role playing games, I did it with games that were not role playing games. So so I would literally sit there with the original Double Dragon for the NES. I would go into two-player mode, which is a versus mode. You have to play it with another player. But I would play it alone because I was an only child. And I would switch off controllers. And I would go back and forth playing the different characters. And I would make up entire backstories for what all of these martial artists were doing and what their rivalries were and, like, who were their friends of, like, the other martial artists. And I'd go into the, like, select a martial artist screen and, like, make up backstories for these people. So I was, like already doing this weird role-playing shit even before I even had role-playing games. I thought I was the only one when I was playing Sonic the Hedgehog Yeah, when I would do this. Yeah. And I would, he would, at the end of each level, I'd have him be looking up and I would have like all this, what, what's he thinking right yeah. now as he fights how, to save How does planet? Sonic feel about all the rings he collected? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, he's yeah. a freedom fighter. He's saving this planet from yeah. all the robots that yeah, have yeah, taken yeah. all his friends. Totally. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So I did that. And then when I was like... 15. Okay, so first okay, of so all... So you invented fan fiction when you were 9 I years old. I invented fi- fan fiction when I was 9 years old about martial artists from the Double Dragon versus screen. Then, um, my mom told me when I was like nine, like 10 or whatever, um, she had watched some like satanic panic shit on the news, mm-hmm. and she was like, never play Dungeons and Dragons. Those people think that it's real and will kill you. That's a great elevator pitch, though. Yeah, I know, and I was like, that's interesting. But, I want in. Yeah, but I didn't do that yet. Then, when I was 15... I went to, like, this performing arts camp for a couple of weeks to, for, to, for, like, guitar stuff, because I was that kid, right? I was, like, guitar kid. I was violin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went to guitar kid camp, and a bunch of, like, weird theater kids um, asked if I wanted to play Vampire the Masquerade. But 
the way they explained Vampire the Masquerade to me was not like, oh, the Masquerade is this like in-fiction thing where you can't tell anyone you're a vampire. No, they were like, the way you play this game is that you don't tell anybody else you're playing this game. It's a secret game. And I was like, okay. And so... Weirdly, nothing creepy happened. It seems like something really terrible that, that, would happen. That would be a red flag. This now, is a yeah. terrible idea. Never do this. It's terrible safety rules. <laughs> it's very a, a very bad idea. But I'm so glad you survived that. Yeah, for unknown reasons, I didn't die. Nothing bad happened to me. I actually just spent a lot of time hiding under tables and sheds with random theater kids and like jumping out to surprise other theater kids and pretending to be a vampire. So I loved it. Okay, so now I have a whole arc I want to play out in Visigoth Molgoth yeah. with a bunch of the Molgoth kids playing secret vampire. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 100%. Please steal these details from my life and play it in my game. Yes. Buy my game and play my game. And then just with, replay. With details from my life. And then have a bunch of like other like Visigoth kids yes. playing you know, Double Dragon, writing give, backstories. Please, please, listeners, give my life meaning. Please. <laughs> Um, so I, you'll live forever. Yeah. So I play, this will be my, my glory. Your legacy. Yeah. So I, so I did that and then I was like, oh, cool. Vampire the Masquerade. Um, and I played more, a little bit more, uh, vampire, both LARPing and tabletop yeah. when I was like 15, 16. Then I sort of like took a detour into like doing other art stuff and like sort of went away from games for a while. And then like three or four years ago, um, I was just like, sick of what was going on in my life and I was like uh, maybe I want to meet some new people and so I just randomly went to a D&D game at the 20-sided store in Brooklyn and this was a game of Curse of Strahd it was right when Curse of Strahd had come out and um, I met in that game a bunch of really cool game designers um, who started um, inviting me to lots of tabletop games largely because the character that I played in this game of Dungeons and Dragons was a 356-year-old dwarf bard hag named Briny Hilda, who was always drunk and always hitting on young male elves. And she was just such a... She was, like, smelly and crass. I love her. She had magical bagpipes, and she she constantly cast vicious mockery, which I fully role-played out, like, insulting ghosts in the the death house of the Curse of Strahd uh, setting. So... Through playing this completely... So she just cursed her way through Ravenloft. She 100% did. Um, she actually... Um, she, she took the curse of Strahd in a little bit yeah. of a different... Yeah. In, in order to be passive-aggressive, she renamed her donkey Strahd von Burovich. Um, <laughs> okay, well, you, would, you wouldn't know this. This weekend, uh, not uh, like the following weekend, I'm running a private game for our Patreon supporters. We're playing through a Ravenloft campaign. For, for the love of God, <laughs> if anybody needs a level 6... Pathfinder legit real D&D character Bryony Hilda and wants to play her maybe I can somehow get you the character sheets cuz <laughs> Oh my god that was literally the GM for that game just came over my shoulder and said her name anyway um yeah so um I made a bunch of friends a lot of whom were were game designers and then I met like 40 million more game designers and then I was like oh maybe I'll try my hand at writing a game so the first tabletop game I wrote and this is not the first game ever I wrote. I'll tell you about that later if you really want to know. But the first tabletop... Uh, Save that for the bonus feature. Yeah, the, the first tabletop role-playing game I wrote um, is a two-player game called Dead Friend, a game of necromancy. 
um, which is in the in the form of a grimoire um, and has like a pentagram and you use tarot cards. Um, one player is alive, the other players get dead and you are evoking your friend from the dead and finding out all about your relationship. So this game did pretty well um, and is like floating out there and you can buy it and it exists. Dead Friend, a game of necromancy. Google it. You can, you can find it and buy it. And, I know four people off the top of my head who need to know about this. Yeah, and... Um, it w- did well at the little conventions. Like, uh, all the sure. story gamers thought it was fun. Um, so I just sort of, like, ended up in this, is this community. Is this your thing that your games have, like, a very quick pitch? Yeah. To, like, like da 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 it does it this. Like, yeah. like, Dead Friend, Game of Necromancy. You don't even, that, that's the pitch. That's yeah. the name of the game. And Visigoth versus Mogoth. That's the yeah. pitch right there. I, yeah. I mean, I believe in, in ruthless, bizarre specificity. <laughs> This is good, good SEO. Thank you. So. Yeah. So, like, I I have a game called Grandma's Drinking Song. It's based on the stories of my great-great-grandmother when she was bootlegging uh, closet liquor during Prohibition in the Bronx. In this game, you tell stories about people like this, and you write a song together. You sing the song, you drink, and you pass around an onion. And that's all you need to know about this game. If that sounds fun, you should play that game. Uh, my my grandparents uh, both uh, they they uh, live in Ireland. Would live in Spain now. They yeah. retired there, but they in Ireland. Whenever we I would visit there in the summer, to for a birthday party or an anniversary of any kind. That's that's exactly the, that happens. Yeah, and it's a, it's a lost art in our generation. Oh, yeah. is the sing along that oh, happens yeah. at the at the part. The drinks start handing around, and yeah. it, one person at a time sings. Yes. and then when they're done singing, they get to call the next person who's going to sing and you do not get to say no and so, if you are not yeah. prepared you are just going to have to figure out some Jonathan Colton song you remembered and sing it to your grandparents well I mean you should definitely play this song with all your cousins and, and everyone you know play this game it sounds, um, that sounds great yeah that game is um, it was published in um, the Gauntlet RPG community it has a zine called Codex and it's in uh, the, the issue Joy 2 which is on RPG, so you can get it that way um, it and probably one day I'll release it as a standalone but I just haven't gotten there yet I might I mean, no promises, but at this point, I'm so in- entertained. I just, I might do an entire season of Lucian Con games. Lucian Con Con. Lucian Con Pod. Uh, what else would you like to? I mean, Visigoth Magos coming out. Yeah, please follow me on Twitter. Yeah. That's the best way to find yeah. out what's going on with the with Visigoth versus Magos. Otheogony. It's it's a weird screen name. It's a pun about the origins of gods. Um, yeah, Otheogony. It's, it's funny the ones who get it and the ones who don't. Yeah, and, and, and I didn't get it, but yeah. my partner did, and she just went, "Ugh." Yeah, people who get it are either really excited or really angry, um, which is true about a lot of my jokes. Um, and um, please follow me on Twitter, and I you can find out more about the Kickstarter when it happens, which will probably be fall of 2019. Um, and if you're listening to this far in the future, and this is an archive. Um, Please do seek out Visigoths versus Malgoths to learn more about what people who really should never have been. It was a pivotal moment in our history. It was definitely a pivotal moment in. It in, was the last game ever made. Yeah, our last best hope <laughs> for games. That's a that's a Babylon Five reference. <laughs> it was. Thank you, Lucy, <laughs> uh, for for uh, entertaining me. Go be with your friends. Okay. Go enjoy your evening. Thank, thanks everybody for listening. Have a lovely day. A special thanks to Lucian Khan for joining us here on The Terrible Warriors. We had a lot of fun chatting. I hope you had a lot of fun listening to that. And if you enjoyed that conversation, well, good news for you. That is what our summer season is going to be like. We're taking a break from our games. We'll be returning with regular programming in the winter. For now, we have a lot of interviews we have recorded over the year with people who make games, people who present games, people who are involved in the gaming industry. There's some really great conversations 
conversations coming your way. And while we are just doing interviews over the course of the summer here on the podcast, over at Twitch, we're playing through Shadowrun on our second season of the Cambridge Chronicles. That's happening every other week, and that's at twitch.tv slash terriblewarriors. Be sure to hang out, join us. We are recording those sessions, and they might end up in the podcast at some time in the future, but for now, we're just having a lot of fun having them live and immediate and, well, if you miss it, you miss it. We're playing with Mike the Birdman Dodd, Alex Ricci, myself, Justin Eacock, and a rotating cast of players in the Terrible Listener Gaming Group. So far, we've had Loot Strings and Ken Reels, and I know Gumbus and Christy have characters waiting in the wings, ready to join us at a moment's notice. We are still playing through our Patreon private games over at patreon.com slash terriblewarriors. You can join us, and you will get a chance to play the games we are preparing for our next season. You'll uh, be instrumental in helping to prepare us for our next round of games. This month, here in July, there's still time to sign up. We are going to try out the Sea of Thieves RPG. Yes, they did a tabletop RPG. We're going to play it. We're going to see what it's like. And if you'd like to join in on that game, you can sponsor us at Patreon at the tip club level. That's terribly important player. And if you want to become a tipper, you can join us in our games every month on Discord. So be sure to follow up uh, with Lucian Khan. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at OTheOgony. The link is in the show notes if you want to find that, as well as be sure to follow us on Twitter at Dice Warriors, and you will be able to find us gushing about Lucian's greatness. His game, Dead Friend, a game of necromancy, is available at DriveThruRPG, and we've got the link right there in the episode description. And Visigoths vs. Malgoths will be kickstarting in the fall, and when it does, you can be sure you will hear about it on the podcast right here on the Terrible Warriors. Next time on the Terrible Warriors, as we continue through our summer series of Meet the Makers, we have a return guest. We caught up with Misha Bush Yeager at Breakout Con, and we just had to ask how things were going since the last time we talked to her, Arun, her sci-fi RPG, was just in the concept stages, and now it's in the playtest stages. So what's the year been like for Misha Bush Yeager and New Agenda Publishing? Well, we'll find out in two weeks' time. And until next time, dear listener, thank you for listening, thank you for supporting independent tabletop gaming, and thank you for being a terrible warrior.